0: Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of This Week in Jewish History and Why You Should Care. Today's episode is brought to us by CursorBlue.com. For all your web design and app development needs go to cursorblue.com the platform that helped raise 18 million dollars for Hatzalah worldwide and that was done by cursorblue.com so check them out if you would like to sponsor an episode of this podcast and help bring a vibrant jewish life to the jewish students at stockton university please reach out to us rabbi at jewishstockton.com for today's podcast we have a special co-host none other than David Vaknin, who is a recent graduate of Stockton University. David, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So David is one of the first students to be involved with Chabad at Stockton University. David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from?
1: I am from Fairlawn, New Jersey. It's in Bergen County, right at the top of Jersey, right over the bridge. From New York City, um, I am a, or I was, because I since have graduated. I was a finance major.
0: Awesome, yeah. and uh, you were part of the group that graduated during the pandemic, which was probably an interesting experience for you to have to leave in
1: middle. It was horrible, to say the least. I feel bad for all of the seniors that have graduated with me in all the other colleges and. The freshman that the incoming freshman that had to go in during the pandemic—it's uh—it was hard for all of us. Yeah. Any
0: message to to everyone that graduated in your year and kind of the incoming freshman, like uh, notwithstanding everything that you guys experienced.
1: If I have any, if I have anything to say to the seniors, is keep your head up high. Everyone's in the same exact situation as you, including myself. I do not have a job still looking. The job market is very bad, so it's it's only going to go up from here because we're all down low. And to the freshmen, I say spend your time wisely. Uh, enjoy the little things because anything can happen like this at, at a drop of a dime. Very well said. Um, David, because there are, we
0: have a very wide audience for this podcast. So, uh, what kind of job, if there's a specific kind of job that you're looking for, feel free to, uh, to, to, let us know what that is. So if anyone's listening and they have an opportunity for you, they can contact me.
1: Well, in that case, um, I don't know exactly what I would like to do. Um, I do know that I like numbers and I like finance and I excelled at, everything Stockton had to offer me in the finance program. So if anyone has any opportunities in business, marketing, finance, anywhere in that any any entry level, I'm willing to put in the hours and the effort to show that I'm I'm worth I'm worth my time and I'm worth I'm worth me.
0: Awesome. And I'm just going to add, David, not just entry level because I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this and you have an, up, an opening, but it's not entry level, it's uh, um, you know, mid-level or even management level, um, I can vouch
1: for David. <laughs>
0: He's got yes. what it takes.
1: Yes. I started, I started a lot of businesses. So yeah, scratch the entry. If you have any managing roles or a, a, a middle, high level, I can prove to you that I can fulfill. Awesome. Now talking about leadership roles,
0: um, let's tell everyone a little bit, um, about what Stockton was like for you. Uh, first of all, why did you choose Stockton university?
1: Originally I had chose Stockton for soccer. Stockton had recruited me to play soccer at school as a goalkeeper. And I followed my dream to play collegiate sports and the rest is history.
0: So you came to Stockton for soccer. You were excited about that. You were hyped about that. And you show up on campus. And what was it like when you realized, wait a second. I mean, you came, I think, a a month before everyone else got to to campus because of your role with the soccer team?
1: Yes. uh, Preseason was a month before um, everyone came in September. So I came in the middle of August. Now, after preseason, we moved into the freshman dorms. I have a lot of time on my hands. It's a it's, uh, pre-school. And I had a conversation with my mother, something about Jewish life. So the only, the only organization that I had an idea of was Hillel. So I took it upon myself to email and find the Twitter handle of Hillel Stockton and DM them. To say, hey, like, I'm on campus. What's, what's the vibe, basically? And there was no response. So, ultimately enough, the next day, I needed to go get lunch. And I saw a long beard and a bright turquoise kippah. And none other, none other obviously, rabbi here right there with a pair of tefillin.
0: I remember, like, yesterday, we set up a table in the cafeteria and we had all sorts of uh, great giveaways and food and cookies. And that was the very first semester that Chabad at Stockton was an active recognized uh, group on campus. And we set up the table uh, hoping to find Jewish students and a couple minutes go by. And I see a young guy walking over with a big Jewish star proudly around his neck. I, I remember asking, Dave, uh, I said, do you want to put on tefillin? And you said, absolutely. You said, I do it every day. I have tefillin in my dorm. Uh, but you haven't yet done it that day. So we put on tefillin. And long story short, that was the beginning of a very close friendship uh, that you and I shared till this day. And uh, really, um, we were building Chabad at Stockton from the ground up. And David, you were a big part of that, as you know. Um, and basically, together we walked the halls, and we found Jewish students, and we found them on social media, and we invited them to Shabbos dinner, and started with four students around the Shabbos table, and then it grew to eight students, and ten students around the Shabbos dinner table, and uh, then we moved into the new Chabad house, and we had to furnish the place, so we started getting offers from people all across uh, all across the tri-state area as offers for. Free furniture for the new Chabad house. So David and I, we got a big cargo van and we literally drove up and down the parkway. We drove in all directions, picking up furniture multiple times. Staten and, uh, Island. Staten Island, remember? We stopped at yeah. that schnitzel place.
1: That's, uh, yeah, it was really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was good. We got to go back there.
1: Um, so as well as well as well as on campus, I just remembered that The first, I believe it was the first semester. It was Hanukkah time. It was, that was the winter that we got the Hanukkah on campus. Tell us about that. So I don't know what took over me, but I felt the need that there had to have been a Hanukkah at, on, in campus, on the campus somewhere. Um, And I think I got the idea because I saw a Christmas tree somewhere on campus. So I think it kind of slighted me to see a Christmas tree and not some sort of uh, even some sort of Jewish decoration. So I took it upon myself to ask Rabbi if it was plausible to get a Hanukkah, Spon- not only get one, but sponsored by Stockton. And sure enough, through a lot of paperwork and perseverance, through uh, StuDev, which is uh, Student Development, and uh, all the people high up in Stockton, um, we got full funding and got a nice six foot, seven foot, full metal, top of the line Hanukkah, just to, and it was it was bright. It was like. Big bright lights. They lit up honestly the whole campus center, and and I, that was my first first uh, Jewish feat on on campus, with many with many more things ahead. Wow,
0: that's that's an amazing story. I remember it like yesterday. Way to go to pull that off was was unheard of at Stockton back uh, in those days. You might say a couple of years back, but you did it. You pulled it off, and actually till this day. I, you know, whenever I go on campus around Hanukkah time, uh, they stop me and they say, Rabbi, when are we putting up the menorah? And they're very excited. They put it out a couple of weeks early. They leave it up a couple of weeks after Hanukkah. Kol HaKavod. Way to go. Good job. And it's still, it's still uh, bearing fruits till this day. Um, if you could sum it up, what is the number one highlight of your Chabad experience, experience with Chabad at Stockton?
1: Well, like I said before, in a modern Orthodox household, um, I did not keep Shabbat, but having Shabbat we we kept Shabbat and having Shabbat dinners every single Friday night. So since it was so ingrained in my life in my in my everyday uh, rituals like Shabbat was the key and Chabad gave me the having Shabbat dinner and continuing. Uh, the tradition instead of stopping at college, with which most students do, they have all this stuff at home. But as soon as they hit college and there's a bit of uncertainty, um, they do not follow through. If I had to think back on it, my first Friday on campus was in preseason. So, what, from what I remember, I was very tired and very. Um, I don't know. I was very tired from practices three times a day, two times a day. Maybe it didn't hit me until I moved into the dorms and preseason was over. So it was just like regular, regular schedules going back. And then that's when it hit me like Friday night, everyone is off doing their thing. And I'm like, wow, like what's, what, what should I, what should I be doing? What would I be doing at home? I'm like, Oh, Oh my God. Like it's Shabbat. I, I, would be at Shabbat dinner. Um, so I, I think it felt really, really weird um, for the Shabbats leading up to when I met you.
0: Wow. And the rest is history because the first week that we had Shabbat dinner together, I think we sat together for a couple hours, uh, chilling, schmoozing, far-bringing, playing board games.
1: Yeah, I, um, I don't remember a night that I did not leave the Chabbat house at like before one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Legit.
0: Yeah. Well, um, we're going to get to the second part of our podcast. David, we've got a number of things that happened this week in Jewish history. And in fact, m- most of them happened on the same day. And that is this Sunday, the 17th of Tammuz. Five events took place in Jewish history, all of them terribly sad events. And because of that, the 17th of Tammuz, this Sunday is actually a fast day on the Jewish calendar. So David, are you ready for the five things that happen on the 17th of Tambas? Yes. Okay, here we go. Number one takes us back to the year 2448 in the Jewish calendar, which would be 1309 BCE, according to the Gregorian calendar, which is the year that the Jewish people left Egypt. That was exactly 3,000 three hundred and thirty three years ago. That's a lot of threes right there.
1: A lot of threes.
0: And the Jewish people left Egypt. What day of the year, David? Passover. That's right. Passover is the holiday that we celebrate to commemorate the, the exodus from Egypt. That was the 15th day of the Hebrew month of Nisan. They traveled 49 days through the desert. Of course, they God split the sea. We know that story. And they arrive at Mount Sinai. And on the 50th day, God gave them the Torah. And they ha- there's this big revelation. God comes down on the mountain. Every single person, men, women, and children, hear God's voice and hear the commandments. God says, I am your God who took you out of Egypt. You shall not have any other gods besides for me. You shall not worship any idols or any other deities And they get the Ten Commandments. The next day, Moses goes up to the mountain to receive the Torah in its entirety from Hashem, from God. And he tells them, I am going to be gone for 40 days and 40 nights. I'll be up on top of the mountain, and then I will return. Well, the Jewish people are waiting. They're twiddling their thumbs. They're counting down. And 40 days go by, and they don't see Moses. Where'd he go? He's not back. And they miscalculated because they... On the beginning of the 40th day is when they thought Moses will return. But Moses said 40 full days, which is days and nights. So what happened? They said, that's it. Moses is gone. We don't have a leader. We need a leader. So what did they do? What did they create, David?
1: A golden calf. Absolutely.
0: Golden calf. How could they do that? I mean, they just witnessed the exodus from Egypt. They just heard God say, don't worship anyone or anything besides for me and less than 40 days later bam they're it's already the human, creating
1: idols it's the human mind people get impatient no matter what even even the richest people that are everything goes well for them and they have all the money in the world they're so well off that they do not need to work they they, they still get impatient and it's the same thing it's like. Everything went so well for the Jewish people; they have life, they have sustenance, but just get a one, one little bit of impat- in, uh, impatience done.
0: Yeah, absolutely, it's true. We're all human, and, and they, they said uh, they 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 panicked. They got scared. It, it was longer than than the contract said it would be, and they got scared. So they make this golden calf, and there's a lot of details behind it, but uh, we don't have time to go into all those details. Um, but the next day Moses comes down from the mountain and he's carrying the tablets. And by the way, this is the 17th of Tammuz, the day that he came down um, this Sunday and he's on his way down from the mountain and he sees a party going on in the camp down below. He sees there's singing, there's dancing, there's uh, sacrifices, there's music. And he comes closer and he realizes that they are actually worshiping this this golden calf idol and what does he do at that point he lifts up the tablets Smash them. smashes them to the ground into thousands of little pieces and he comes down the, the mountain and he, all the people that were all the people that were responsible for the making of the golden calf were punished at that point god says to moses you know what enough <laughs> with the jewish people Forget about it. I gave them a chance. They They couldn't stand up to it. They're not worthy enough. Moses, forget the Jewish people. I am going to make you and your descendants the Jewish people. I'm going to make you and your children my chosen nation. And Moses says, absolutely not. Literally, he says, it's either all of us or none of us. And at that point, he begins praying to Hashem, praying to God to forgive the Jewish people. And eventually, God does forgive the Jewish people. Uh-huh. Now, by the way, the commentaries wonder and they say, why did Moses smash the tablets? Why did he shatter them on the ground? Did he not realize what he was holding in his hands?
1: I mean, it, maybe he was in the moment. He lost it. He lost it.
0: So that's what I would think. But it makes you wonder a person like Moses, would he lose it?
1: I believe that Moses. Even, even if he's the highest prophet, he can also get mad. And if his brain isn't filled with rage and he's holding something, I know it's the tablets, but in his mind, in that moment, it is just something to smash.
0: So that's exactly the, the basic understanding of the story. He, what he saw was so terrible and he was filled with rage, like you said, that he just threw it to the ground. But here's the thing, the commentaries add a little bit of a different perspective, just another way to look at it. And that is, you know, the Jewish people were in this moment where they were committing to God and God was committing to them. God was saying, I want you to be my chosen nation. And the Jewish people were saying, we are accepting to follow your laws, your commandments, and whatever you tell us to do, God, we will do it. So it was kind of like a marriage. Think about it. It was like, it was, it was that Commitment that they were giving to each other was like a marriage, a long-term commitment. And in a, at a Jewish wedding, what is what is given? Do you know this, David? At a, at a Jewish wedding, what does the chatan, the groom, give to the kala, to the bride? It's a document.
1: It's called uh, a kutubah. yeah, ketubah,
0: right? So the Torah that was being given by God to the Jewish people was like the marriage contract, and Moses was in middle of delivering that marriage contract, that ketubah from the the groom, God, to the bride, the Jewish people. And before he got to the bride, he saw that the bride was having an affair. The Jewish people strayed from God, and they started worshiping a golden calf, an idol. So before the marriage was completed, before... He brought the marriage contract to the bride rather than give it to the bride, the Jewish people, and then the marriage will be complete. And then they'll be even in bigger trouble because they're actually married. Instead, it was almost like this in-between stage where they were only engaged, still terrible, but engaged, not as bad as if it was if they were actually married. And he, he ripped up the marriage contract which was the tablets made of stone, he threw it to the ground and shattered it. And actually, eventually, later, in the, the commentary, say that God actually said, Moses, thank you for shattering the tablets. Interesting. Based on that perspective, it seems that Moses cared more about the fate of the Jewish people than he did about the Torah, which is mind-blowing because Moses, he lived for the Torah. And to think about that he was willing to put that aside, to put all that aside, only for the good of the Jewish people, that the Jewish people should not be punished or should not be punished as severely, just shows what kind of leader he was and where his priority was. Yeah. Pretty powerful. I think Very we have a lot powerful. from that.
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. But you're definitely right about the... Uh, The simple understanding is exactly the way that you explained it. So that was the first episode that took place on the 17th of Tammuz, this Sunday in Jewish history, 1,309 years BCE or 333 years ago. Number two, are you ready? Yes. In the year 425 BCE, So this jumps almost about a thousand years from that episode. In the year 425 BCE, the Jewish people were living in the land of Israel. King Solomon had built the temple, a beautiful, gorgeous temple in Jerusalem. And after, after having the temple for 410 years, the Jewish people in that time, again, had strayed from the path of Torah and mitzvahs and following God's commandments, and they started worshiping idols. And they were given numerous warnings by the prophets, but they didn't listen until eventually Nebuchadnezzar, which was the king of Babylon, uh, he came and he began to siege the city of Jerusalem. He sieged the city of Jerusalem for almost three years. During that siege, life in Jerusalem continued as normal and life in the Holy Temple, the service in the temple, in the Beit HaMikdash continued as normal. The highlight of the service every day in the temple was the morning and afternoon sacrifice, the daily sacrifice called the tamid. Every day, morning and night, that was the service in the, in the Holy Temple. But eventually they ran out of sheep. Every day they bring two sheep and they ran out of sheep in the city of Jerusalem and they couldn't get anymore. So what they would do is they knew that on the other side of the wall, outside of the city of Jerusalem, the Romans had sheep. So they would lower down a basket full of gold with a little note that said, please, in exchange for this gold, Will you give us a sheep? And every day the Romans would give them two sheep in exchange for the basket of gold. On this day in Jewish history, the sun- Sunday, the 17th of Tammuz, the Jewish people lowered down a basket of gold. And when they felt the weight of the animal on the other side, they pulled it up. And instead of two sheep, there were two pigs.
1: Interesting. And,
0: yeah. And on that day, the Romans refused to give them any more sheep for, their, for the sacrifice. So for the first time in the 410 years since the temple was built, from that time, they had never once missed bringing the morning and afternoon sacrifice. And this was the first time that they could not do it because mm-hmm. of the Babylonian siege. And that was a very sad day for the Jewish people. So that's what happened on the 17th of Tammuz. The third thing that happened on the 17th day of Tamos, this Sunday in Jewish history, there was a man by the name of Apostomos and he took the Torah scroll and he publicly burned the Torah in front of everyone. Now, there's a lot of mystery surrounding this episode and a lot of the commentaries try to understand who exactly was this apostolos, and why is this event part of the big five, you might say, the big five, the terrible things that took place on this day. I mean, if you think about it, David, you know that throughout our history as Jewish people, unfortunately, we had no shortage of enemies, and the Torah has been burned numerous times. Think about in recent times, the Nazis, before that, the pogroms in Europe, Throughout the Middle Ages, it was done extremely often. Unfortunately, yeah. the question is who was Apostomus and why is this such a big deal? So there's a couple of theories, and I'll share some of them with you today. Um, some people say Apostomus was a um, a Greek general, and the reason why this was a big deal is because during it was during the Second Temple era, uh, around the time of the story of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it was such a big deal was one of two reasons. Number one, they say it was the Torah of Ezra the scribe. Ezra the scribe was a famous Jewish leader who took the Jewish people from Persia, where the story of Purim took place, and led them back to the land of Israel to the rebuilding of the second temple. And when he did that, he wrote the Torah scroll, he rewrote the Torah scroll, an exact copy of the Torah scroll that we had passed down from Moses. Mm-hmm. And therefore, his Torah scroll was known as the ultimate uh, copyright, you might say. If you wanted to make sure that your Torah scroll was exact, every word, every letter was precise, Was was precise? you checked it against the, the, the Torah scroll of Ezra the scribe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And some of the commentaries say that this apostamos, this Greek general took that Torah scroll and burned it publicly, which is why it was such a a big deal. And it it became one of the five things, the five terrible things that we recall on this day. Another theory is that Apostomus was not a Greek general, but rather he was a Roman general. And this was during the times of the destruction or after the destruction of the second temple. Um, But it was the first time that it was done publicly. And that's why it was commemorated on this day with, other, with the other terrible tra- tragedies that took place. The fourth thing that happened on the 17th day of Tammuz is that an idol was placed in the temple sanctuary. The place where the Jewish people would gather to worship Hashem, to pray to Hashem, and to do the service, in the holy holiest place on earth, an idol was erected there. Now also, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty as to who placed the idol there? Some people say that it was this man, Apostomus, this uh, Roman or Greek general. And others say that it was actually King Manasseh of Israel who lived during the first temple era. And he was an extremely wicked person. His father was a very righteous uh, Jewish king who helped the Jewish people follow the ways of the Torah and the mitzvot and to serve Hashem. And his son, King Menasha did exactly the opposite and uprooted everything his father strived to accomplish. And because of the severity of putting an idol inside the holiest place in the world for us Jewish people, that was also commemorated on this day. The fifth and final thing that happened on this day, Sunday of Jewish history is the fact that at the end of the second temple era, Emperor Nero from Rome sent his armies to invade the land of Israel and General Vespasian surrounded the city of Jerusalem. This was the second time, second time around. The first time the city was surrounded, and we said earlier, was the Babylonian army led by Nebuchadnezzar. And this uh-huh. time it was the Romans led by General Vespasian. They surrounded the city of Jerusalem. They laid siege. And here's the thing. The city of Jerusalem had so much supplies. The Talmud says they were able to hold out for 20 years even under siege with the amount of supplies that they had. Uh, But because there was terrible fighting and discord, internal discord amongst the Jewish people living in the city, there was a group of people who sided with the Romans. They felt that if we just make peace with the Romans, if we just lead a life the way the Romans live, we'll be much happier. Our ancient Jewish ways are, are out of date. And then there was the middle group, the moderates who were most of the rabbis and sages and leaders. Of the Jewish people, And they felt that obviously we want our independence, but if we can come to an agreement with the Romans, they might let us live happily. Perhaps we'll pay some taxes, perhaps we'll have them around still, but at least we'll be free to be able to study Torah, continue on with life, etc. And then the other extreme was the zealots, and they were a group of people that said, absolutely not, we are going to fight to the death. And because they felt that way, they were getting very upset at the rest of the Jewish people living in the city of Jerusalem because the people weren't fighting. And so they went ahead and they actually burnt and destroyed all of the storage facilities, all the warehouses with all the supplies, all the food supplies. And because of that, instead of being able to hold out for 20 years, the city of Jerusalem was plunged into famine. And it was a very desperate situation. And that is what ultimately led to General Vespasian, who actually gave over the command to General Titus to be able to breach the walls of Jerusalem on the 17th day of Tammuz, and then eventually conquer the city of Jerusalem and then the Temple Mount. And he destroyed the Temple on the 9th of Av, which is coming up in three weeks' time. The Talmud says, what is it that brought about the destruction of the Second Temple? The Talmud tells us that the, temple, the first temple was destroyed because of idol worship. And the second temple was destroyed because the Jewish people could not get along. There was Sinat Chinam, which means, actually translates as free hatred, meaning hatred with no reason. People just could not get along over petty arguments. They could not get along. There was so much discord and fighting within the Jewish people. And that's what led to the destruction. I want to share with you, David, a story that the Talmud tells us. And the Talmud says this was the beginning of the end of Jerusalem and the temple. Story goes like this. There were two people living in the land of Israel. One of them was named Kamtsa, and one of them was named Bar Kamsa. Okay. And there was a man making a party. Kamsa was his best friend. Bar Kamsa was his bitter enemy. So the man making the party, very wealthy man, he tells his servants, I want you to invite Kamsa to my party. The servant gets mixed up. He goes online to Google and he searches for Kamsa and a name Bar Kamsa comes up. So he invites Bar Kamsa to the party. Bar Kamsa gets this invitation and he sees that my arch enemy, my bitter enemy is inviting me to a party. He said, I guess he's trying to reach out and to make peace and to reconcile our fights and our differences. So he goes to the party and he's very impressed. He comes to the party and the host sees him and the host gets furious and he screams at him and he says, get out right now. And Bart comes says, sir, listen, obviously this is a mistake. I received an invitation. It obviously was not meant for me, but please, don't embarrass me. I mm-hmm. will pay you for my dinner. Just don't throw me out in front of everyone. Don't make a scene. And the host says, absolutely not. Get out now. And he says, listen, I'll pay for half of the feast. I'll pay for half the party. Just don't throw me out. The host says, no, get out now. And Bar comes one last try. He says, I will pay for the entire party. Just send me the bill. I'll pay for it. Don't throw me out in front of everyone. Don't embarrass me in front of everyone. And right. the man said, no deal. He threw him out. And this man thought, Bar Kamsa said, all the rabbis that were sitting there at the party, and not one of them stood up to say something. So he said, that's it. I'm going to get revenge. The rabbis must have been fine with what they saw. And so I'm going to take revenge. And he travels to Rome. He travels travels to Emperor Nero in Rome. And he tells him that the Jewish people are starting a revolt against you. And the emperor says, how do you know? And he says, I'll tell you what to do. Take a lamb, send it to Jerusalem as an offering in the temple, and see if they accept it. So he says, all right, deal. He takes the emperor Nero, sends a lamb with Bar and on the way to Jerusalem, Bar makes a tiny wound on the animal. Now, Jewish law states that in order to bring an animal on the altar in the temple, it has to be a perfectly whole and complete animal without any um and without any injuries.
1: Did he tell did he tell him that he did that or secretly?
0: Secretly. Brings it to the temple. They inspect the animal. They say, Sorry, we can't take it. The servants from Rome that accompanied the animal all the way there went back to Rome and they told Emperor Nero what happened, that the Jewish people did not accept your gift. And he said, That's it. I am going to invade the land of Israel. That's exactly what he did. He sent his general Vespasian. As I said before, who took over the land of Israel, conquered all of the land aside from Jerusalem, and then eventually closed in on Jerusalem, laid siege for a few years, and then on the 17th of time was breached through the walls, and that led to the destruction.
1: Wow. That's heavy.
0: Very heavy. You see, the, uh, you see what can happen if people are turned off. On the other hand, do you think what he did was uh, a little extreme?
1: It was very extreme. It was very extreme. It wasn't, it was very uncalled for as well. Absolutely.
0: Because of that, because of his actions, they say about a million Jewish people were killed during that war and the destruction of Israel. Exactly. All because of one man's actions.
1: If you can boil it down, all because of a, a wound.
0: A wound. The wound on the animal or the wound on this man's heart?
1: Wow, Rabbi, that's very deep. A wound on his heart.
0: Poor man needed some uh, some extra love. And the and host needed someone to put him in his place and tell him that what he did was wrong. Yeah. So, David, now that we talked about the five things, the five major events in Jewish history that took place this week, all on the same day, the 17th of Tammuz. I turn it over to you because my question is, why... Does this matter? Why should it matter to a young Jewish adult in today's day and age? Everything from the, the episode with the golden calf, Moses shattering the tablets um, and choosing the Jewish people and their fate over his connection to the Torah. The breach of the walls, the story with Kamtsa and Bar Kamsa, the fact that the sacrifice was discontinued for the first time because they put a pig in the basket instead of the sheep. And apost uh, Apostamos burning the Torah scroll and putting an idol in the sanctuary in the holy temple. What's what's your take? Why do you think this is important to remember and to think about?
1: Well, I feel that it is always important and to remember where you came from and what happened in the past, because who we are today is what came from the past. Um, like we said. Uh, almost like uh, this was uh, basically a pogrom. The million people that died because of this action and we need to remember and teach our kids the Dovador the generations and generations to not let them forget the hard times that everyone has been through because being Jewish isn't a religion it's, an, it's a nation it's a collective group of people that have endured the hardest and should stick together because ultimately at the end of the day, families is just what's important and family is what you'll have forever.
0: Absolutely. If I may add, it's not only a religion, it's yeah, a it's nation and family, well. family as well. Right. I mean, focus, zoom in a little bit to some of these episodes. I mean, comps bar comps. I mean think about, you know, the fact that today, there's just so much discord. There's so many people, especially within the Jewish people with, especially within the Jewish community, that just don't get along. And I mean, you look at that story and you realize we are in we are in exile. We have been exiled from the land of Israel for two thousand years, ever since this story took place in the year sixty nine CE, current sure. era.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, what kind of what kind of lessons and, and meaning does that have for us today? Can you see something similar happening today? Can you see two Jews getting together at a party or something, you know, or a Jew showing up at another Jew's party and a person saying "get out" and not willing to give the person, to treat the person respectfully like a human being?
1: I not I willing. can see it. I can see it. It's very so what do you think we have? How do you think we can learn from this? What do you think we can take from this? I feel like Jews in particular should treat other Jews better than what you would, on how you would treat other people. Not to say that other people don't deserve the best, but like I said before, Jewish people are a family. So instead of what happened with Orhamsa, um, recognizing that he is Jewish, give him the benefit of the doubt and just let him slide. Not only slide saying, pass the um, let him pay the bill, sliding in the fact that you don't have to make him make a scene of it. You say, okay, I know we're both Jewish. Okay. We're, we're family. Listen, what you did was bad. Just, just step off. I won't embarrass you. So in that case, I feel like it brings attention to really, if you get into a fight or an argument with somebody, you should really see the other person's side and the other person's feelings towards the situation and who they are as a person before getting in the argument because what goes around comes around. You ultimately don't want karma to come back by you. And I mean and as Jews
0: we believe that it's it's not just uh you know um something that we cannot control. It's Hashem, you know, God Mida mida. You ever heard that yeah. expression? Yeah. God God gives measure for measure. You know, we act a certain way, you know, we treat someone a certain way. That's the way we'll get treated. Exactly. I think that message that you just said is so important and so powerful. The message of we are all family and we have to start looking at each other like family and not just looking at each other, but treating each other like family. And even within family, unfortunately, there's so many, you know, this family member doesn't talk to that family member. Unfortunately, within families, there are many fights. We have to wake up and realize because we're all Jewish deep down, we all share the same DNA, the same spiritual DNA. See, David, you and I are, we're alike in many ways, but we're different in so many ways. And it's easy for people to get caught up in all the differences between each other. You like soccer, I like basketball. You like pizza, I like sushi, right? We can get caught up, or you vote this way, I vote that way. We can get caught up with all these differences External differences on the outside, and we forget about the fact that on the at the core, if you look at who we are internally, we are all one. We all are, we all are part of the Jewish family. We all have a soul and a shema, that spark of God. And if you look at that, if you look at it from that perspective, we realize that we are all more than just family. We are all actually one. It gives us the ability to not just tolerate each other but to really embrace and love each other
1: yeah without a doubt
0: maybe that's why Moses was able to put the Jewish people before his commitment to the Torah he was able to choose the Jewish people as a priority over the Torah because he saw and he felt and to him it was obvious that he was one with the Jewish people and he was their Mm -hmm. leader and a leader does not let his people down uh huh. And so, to him, there was no choice. He saw that yeah. reality. I agree. So, David, here's my question to you as we wrap it up tonight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What is your message to college students today, in light of today's discussion? What is your message to Jewish students on campus today, and the recent graduates, the the young? the young alumni?
1: Well, to my fellow Jews in college right now, I would say find as many other Jews as you can because that is your support system, that is your community, that is your people that will always have your back. And for the recent graduates like myself, it is harder to find Jews outside of college um, because in college obviously there's a lot of activities and people that want to get involved but in, in the real world people have a lot going on and it's tough to get together so I would like recent graduates to really make an effort and search of their Jewishness and a community around them because it will anything that you'll go through in life, the Jewish people will be there for you.
0: Wow, beautiful. I'm Yisrael Chai. The nation of Israel lives forever. Thank you, David, for sharing your thoughts with us tonight. And there you have it, folks, the, the the weekly roundup of Jewish history. Tune in next week for another week of Jewish history with another co-host sharing their input and their thoughts as to why it should matter to you have a great night